Welcome back to the Fitness Simplified Podcast. I'm your host, Kim Schlag. On today's episode, I have my dear friend, Susan Niebergall of Susan Niebergall Fitness. Now, you've heard me talk a lot about how in my 40s, I went from being overweight and weak to strong and fit. Well, Susan did that in her 50s. And we talk about how she heard from lots of people, oh, this must just be in your genetics. She must have great genetics. And in reality, no, obesity runs in her family. So let's talk today about the power of our genetics. Can we overcome them? If you're in your 30s, your 40s, your 50s, your 60s, and you think, is this as good as it gets for me? You know, my family, they're overweight. Can I get past that? Listen into this episode. Hello, Susan. Hello, Kim. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for joining us here on the podcast. For those of you who don't know Susan, this is Susan Niebergall of Susan Niebergall Fitness. She is a dear friend of mine and a colleague of mine. And Susan, I would love it if you went ahead and introduced yourself a bit. Tell us who you are and what you do. Sure. Um, Susan Niebergall. Um, I am an online strength coach. Um, Susan Niebergall Fitness is my um, company name. Um, I have been in the fitness industry for probably, gosh, 12 years now, maybe a little longer actually, um, and come to the fitness industry from a background in education, uh, as a music teacher and a school counselor. And, um, yeah, I have a husband and a 21 year old son majoring in music and I am located just outside of Washington, DC in Vienna, Virginia. Yes, yes. So for those of you who have never seen Susan, go and find a picture of her right now. Go to her website, go to her Instagram. <laughs> and I want you to take a look at Susan because this whole conversation is going to make, make way more sense if you know what she looks like. Yeah. So Susan, tell everybody how old you are. I am actually going to be 59 years old next month. So. Next month. What's the date of your birthday? 24th, May 24th. May 24th. Yeah. 59. You do not look 59. You do not look 58. When Do people say that to you a lot? Are people stunned when you tell them your age? Yeah, I think so. I think yeah. because everyone has, I mean, instead of thinking 59, people just go to 60, you know, and I think uh-huh. people have in their head, like I do, what 60 years old looks like. Yeah. And what, when you think of 60 years old, like what, what have you always thought that's going to look like for you um, before now? Gray, old gray, short gray hair, (laughs) down, um, you know, riding off into the sunset, la la, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. The exact opposite. (laughs) I hide my gray. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I am super, super active. So yeah, it's so funny. I think but not just my or your vision of 60 has changed. I think just everyone's has, you know, we hear those sayings, you know, 50s, the new 30 and 60s, the new 40. And I really think there's some merit to that. I, I think it's just society has changed so much in our views of, of getting older and, and people are more active now. I think it's just all kind of changed. So how do you look the way you look at 58? How do you look like that? I don't know the answer to that exactly. <laughs> Except, um, I, you know, I work at it. I, I, I get a lot of comments about, oh, you, you must um, have great genetics. I love that comment because um, <laughs> I stink. Um, if, if I were to base everything on my genetics, I would probably be um, 
uh, 40, 50 pounds overweight, I would be, or even more, actually, my dad's side of the family, a lot of them were morbidly obese. I mean, very, very large side of the family. Um, and, and I just feel like um, I was aware, I've been aware of that for a long time and just made a a commitment to myself that I was not going to go down that road. And I remember having a discussion with one of my doctors about that. And she told me that, um, you know, genetics are a real thing, but you can get out of that circle. And I think that's what I've been trying to do for a long time is just get out of that cycle of obesity that does run in my family. Um, and it's work, you know, I work at this, I work yeah. hard at, this. you know, it's, it, I don't coast. I, actively work. And so I think that's how I look, how I look, I guess. <laughs> so was there a particular moment in time when you're like, oh my gosh, if I don't want to go the way my father's genetics are determining for me, I should do something. Was there a particular moment for you that was like, I need to get on this? I don't know if there was that aha moment. Um, I, I, I remember getting introduced to fitness way back in the 80s probably mid to late 80s maybe even early 90s somewhere in there um and loving it so i started the whole fitness thing early and that's when things started to kind of click oh you know look at my uncle uh, melvin look look at my uncle buck look at my dad i mean they're all heavy guys they all have heart issues they all have blood pressure issues you know they they have all these ongoing medical things and i think over time that just started sitting with me and I'm thinking, I don't want to be like that. I mean, yeah. I just don't want to have to worry about my health like that as I get older. So I don't think it was one moment, but I think it was over the course of time. And it was after I started getting into fitness, like going to the gym and doing fitness classes and enjoying that piece of it back in the day. Um, that's when it all kind of started. Yeah, you know what? I want to keep this up. I want to get stronger. I want to be healthy and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So do you talk to people a lot who kind of feel limited by their age and think about like, well, I can't do that. I'm too old for that. I'm too old to work out. Maybe like this is as good as it gets for me. Yeah. You know, you and I both do. I know um, for sure. And, and people are, um, they're, they're taken aback by my age because I don't think there are a whole lot of people my age that put themselves out there like I'm, tr I'm trying to get the message out. Mm -hmm. So I think they're like, wow, you're almost 60, that number again. And, and, and I think they, they thought, and the same things that I used to think, like they can't do it, it is too late. It's, it's menopause, it's perimenopause, it's my hormones, it's my metabolism. They blame everything for their current situation. And they think I can't lift weight, you know, I'm gonna get hurt. And, and so yeah, I talk to people all the time about that and you know some of them will will kind of come over to the to, to the other side pretty quickly but others it's a lot of massaging and a lot of one step at a time and and first and foremost let's get a hold of your nutrition and you know just baby steps for so many of these people but yeah you know and i know you know this too that once these women who thought they could never pick up anything but that little pink dumbbell lift some significant weight off the ground or put it over their head or do whatever the look on their face <laughs> change in their their body posture and their tone is changed there's it just changes and absolutely right i mean it's it's yeah. so from a coach's perspective it is the coolest thing in the world yeah 
I totally could not agree more. It's a life-changing moment for them. Um, it's this um, glimpse of possibility and um, like an insight into strength that they had no idea that they were capable of. And like, whoa, I yeah. can do this. I can yeah. do this. And, and as you know, it bleeds over into all aspects of their lives too. It has for both yes. of us. And yes. And it does. It does. I mean, and it's one of these things that I tell people, you know, you can hear me say it and I can't do it justice by talking about it. I mean, I just can't. And I get excited about it and my voice goes up and I talk <laughs> and, and they can tell I'm excited. But I said, I can't really even do it justice. That's how passionate I am about it. But you have to experience it. And once you do, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. You know, Susan, I don't know if we've ever talked about this before. I would be curious because it absolutely has for me. Getting stronger has bled over into every other area of my life. And I'd be curious to hear from you how that played out in your life. As you got stronger, how did that affect other areas of your life? You know, it, it, um, the biggest is changing um, careers. Um, retiring from a career of being known as an educator, which I love and loved, um, you know, 30 some year, 33 years, I think I was in education. So that was my identity. You know, my identity was I was um, in education. I was a teacher. I was a counselor. And that's who I was. And I thought for years and years that I would just at when retirement came, I would ride off into the sunset. You know, I would put my feet up. And, and relax and watch some TV. Watch some TV. Yeah, that's what I thought I would do for so many years. And it was just the opposite. And I, I had credit getting stronger and working on my, my strength training and, and getting a coach and doing all of that. And that propelled me into starting a business. I don't know anything about business, you know. <laughs> I'm coming from a music background and a psychology background. I do know how to talk to people. And that was the seamless transition for me because I do have a counseling psychology background. So that piece was already in place. So I just had the, the guts to, and the strength, if you will, to mm -hmm. get out there and learn what it meant to start a business. All these little businessy things that we all have to learn how to do um, in, in order to kind of get started and then put ourselves out there. You know, um, really the first time to put out a video or to go on to, 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 to post on um, social media and all those things that I didn't grow up with, you didn't grow up with. Yeah. All those things that are so intimidating and foreign are now like, okay, I'm going to give it my best shot. I'm not, uh, I'm not so scared that I'm going to back off and just not do it. Where before, most certainly, wouldn't have even, it, if it was out of my comfort zone, that's where it stayed, you know? Yeah, yeah. I totally, I can totally agree. And I feel that so much um, that the strength I've built from getting you know stronger physically means that I can handle tough situations and things that might otherwise have made me think I can't do that. Like I can't get on social media. Actually, I remember like a year ago, you got me to do a live and I was like, that was so nerve wracking for me. And that's the kind of thing I would have originally years ago shrunk away from. I would have been like, no, I, I can't do that. You know, oh, and I've and wow. now I see these things and I'm like, oh my gosh, can I do that? And I'm like, all right, I guess I'm going to do that. And yeah, and, and, and I think we still will always have the little okay, um, <laughs> um, you know, if, if something new is coming up, and okay, should I try that? And there's always that little bit of, 
eh, you know, that little yeah. feeling uncomfortable. But I think what we've learned is that that's okay. That's actually a good thing and yeah. that it's not going to stop us from trying. And I think the little butterflies or the, or whatever we want to call that that's in the pit of our stomach. Um, I, I think that is now we look at that differently and that's a huge difference, huge difference. Yeah. It's that's like this internal about. fortitude. Yes. Yes. Because there are some things I would never have done before, ever, yeah. ever, ever. And technology still intimidates me to this day. <laughs> and I've gotten better at it. I know I'm not the worst at it, but I get frustrated with it. Um, I've been in tears over it. I still try. Um, but I, I, the difference is I don't give up anymore and say, screw it. You know? I yeah. And how many people need that in their lives, right? Like so many of us were, yeah. you know, so many people need that in their lives. And I don't think it's what people think of when they think of like, I'm going to start getting fit. I don't think they think of that as one of the benefits, but it's honestly one of the biggest ones. I think it is probably the biggest one. The mm -hmm. confidence factor that comes with it um, is, is the truly life-changing part. I mean, it's cool to be able to pick up heavy stuff without a doubt, mm -hmm. but how it affects the rest of your life, I think, like you said, is really the the big winner of the whole thing you know yeah couldn't agree more yeah so susan if a woman in her 50s came to you and said look i've never strength trained before i want to get started doing this what would your be your best advice let's go two directions here let's go like mental perspective outlook what would be your best advice and then practically speaking first steps well um i would go with the practical thing first just because that's generally the hardest with with strength training especially with no experience mm -hmm. um the best case scenario to me is always trying if you're literally starting from the very beginning is to get someone to help you and that someone maybe that's a trainer you could hire if you can maybe that someone is a close friend that you trust that has has experience maybe it is someone you know a, a relative or something that can help you but a person that could help you in a person because as you and I know, technique and form is so crucial at the beginning. And, and I really think, um, and I've talked to so many um, online, uh, potential online clients who wanna start online um, with no experience. And, and while I appreciate their drive and desire, which is that mental piece, which is fabulous, I think the practical piece of that is it's, it's not always great for everyone to start out that way. Some people might be able to do it, but not everyone. And people, I, I think generally in their fifties are going to be a little intimidated, a little conservative and having someone there to help them through that piece at the beginning is to me the best way to do it. Um, the mental piece, you know, um, the fact that somebody in their 50s would be game to do this starting from scratch to me is like, that is the best thing ever. Um, and, and I would tell them this, um, be prepared to be frustrated a little bit. Be prepared to have a feeling of you want to quit sometimes because it's too hard or you're not seeing results or, or, or whatever it is. But I would tell them to hang on just to hang on and think bigger picture and don't put any expectations with timelines and all this and and try to focus on enjoying this because really it's fun <laughs> it <laughs> you know? is fun it, it is it is really fun you and i love it as much as anything and um and and we want to 
we want everyone to experience what you and I are experiencing, you know? For sure. So knowing what you know now, what's your best advice for younger women who want to look like you do when they're 58? You know, you start now. Um, I, I have a bunch of clients who are, you know, 30 years younger than me. And I tell them that all the time. I said, I want you, I, we're, we're going to push you. Um, I want you to get as strong as you can now because that will only make you even better when you're my age. Um, yeah. And then you'll be leading this pack of that, of your generation. You know, um, I, I think the earlier you can get a, a baseline of strength and start things, the better off you're going to be. And, you know, it's interesting because I started lifting a long time ago, but I just went, you know, I yo-yoed with nutrition. I didn't have that piece down. I got pretty strong over the course of the years in and out, but I didn't lock it in with nutrition. And that's the other piece I would talk to, to these younger kids about is, you know, you don't have to like be obsessive about nutrition, but your awareness now is what's going to carry you through. And I think that's a huge advantage for that generation than our generation. They know yeah. so much more than we did in our 20s and 30s. I mean, yeah. and we know so much more than our parents did. I mean, it's really interesting to see that all the differences and all the things that have changed over time and things when they are in their 50s and 60s will be different than it is now, but they're going to be armed with really solid stuff now, you know? Yeah. I heard Jill Coleman once. I read something from her and she said that her advice is put on as much muscle as you can as soon as you can. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And I would agree a hundred percent with that. Um, absolutely. Get in there and start doing it, you know, now. <laughs> yeah. I know one of the things you've mentioned to me is the um, seeing your mom degenerating. Um, yeah. Tell people a little bit about, about her lack of strength and what that means in your mind. Yeah. So my mom is 90 and um, just watching her deteriorate. Um, and it's, it's, it's eye opening to watch someone who can't push the button on the microwave hard enough to, for it to click on or who can't turn the doorknob enough to open a door or who can't, stand up and sit down without holding on to things for dear life and watching her knees cave in drastically when she's trying to stand up. I mean, all those things from a coach perspective, it was like, wow. I mean, they're literally very little muscle strength and how that has just um, gotten worse and worse over time. And she was one of those people that she liked to walk on the treadmill a lot. And, and this is really interesting. I want people to take note of this. She was a walker. She loved to walk. And, and as a result, her heart, her vitals are like at 90 are as good as somebody maybe 10, 20 years younger than her. However, she did zero strength training, zero, zero, zero. And so now she's paying the price. And I think that's, it's an extreme for sure. But I think the point of that is she never worked on strength. And I think now we're seeing what can happen when you just don't work on strength. You know, there's nothing wrong with walking. Walking is fabulous, but it's not enough if you want to maintain some muscle and stay strong. It's just not enough. It's not enough. Yeah. And, you know, I think the aesthetic piece of it is super cool. Like who doesn't want to have rocking shoulders like Susan Niebergall, right? Who doesn't want some abs, right? But yeah. when you think about the fact that you might be making it possible for yourself to like take care of yourself in your 80s and 90s, you'll be able to be strong enough to, you know, 
turn a doorknob, like that's important stuff. Yeah. I, I tell my son, Mike, all the time as I'm going to see my mom and stuff, I tell him one thing you will never worry about with me is the lack of strength to push a button or turn a doorknob or stand up. Uh, I will never, ever let that happen. And yeah. Yeah, I'm just kind of on a mission for, for myself in that way mm -hmm. and just to keep building strength. So my mind is like those 30 years old, 30 year olds that we were talking about, about getting as strong as they can now. Well, that's my mindset right now is, yeah. is like, continue that path. Um, get as strong as I can, get as strong as I can, get as strong as I can. Yeah, for sure. I love that. I love that. It's super important. So oh, yeah. Susan, help me remember. I'm pretty sure you're on the other side of menopause now, right? Uh-huh. What was that experience like for you? Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny. I didn't, some of the time I didn't really even realize what was happening. You know, I didn't, I just, I knew stuff was off and I, I never really um, sat and thought, oh, that must be menopause. And, and until one day I'm looking at my belly going, holy crap, what the hell happened to me? Um, it, I probably didn't have the worst case and I didn't have the best case. I was probably one of the average people going through perimenopause and menopause um, with, I had the night sweats. That was the big thing for me. I didn't really have hot flashes that much as I had night sweats to the point mm. of the sleep being disrupted every night and having to change into a t-shirt, you know, because you sweat so much and then you're freezing cold and everything's wet. And, you know, it's just, it, you don't sleep. Um, and then that just affects everything. You know, it affects yeah. your food, it affects stress levels, it, it affects your nutrition, it affects everything. Um, and so that was the worst part of it for me. I never did any uh, replacement therapies or anything like that. My doctor offered it to me, but she kind of looked at me and said, you know, I don't think you really need it, but if you want to, we could do it. And I just said, nah, you know, let me just kind of tough this out and see, and see what we can do. Um, which is what I did. And, and honestly, when I started strength training seriously, um, everything just subsided. And I don't, it, it, I can't say that there's a direct one-on-one -on -one correlation to it but certainly for me the timing was was very coincidental at you know at least coincidental if not directly related um because things they, it didn't go away but it certainly um kind of brought it back down to a way more manageable level to the point where i almost forgot about it sometimes mm. well look it's got to be encouraging for people to hear because a lot of people think like oh I'm in my 40s, I'm in my 50s, I'm perimenopausal, I'm menopausal, like I'm just going to have this belly, I'm not going to be able to lose weight. So a lot of people think that way. So oh, you, you made your whole transition during that time, right? Your whole yeah. transformation from being overweight to fit, correct? Uh, absolutely. I mean, and I was a yo-yo dieter for years, so I had lost weight, gained weight, lost weight, gained weight. And um, uh, gosh, fit when I was 53 is when I had that looking at my belly moment going, eh, what is this? What happened? You know, um, but, but, but I'll tell you this, the, the difference for me was getting a coach and strength training hard. And, and I want to make that really clear. I wasn't going to the gym and just lifting little dumbbells. I was pushing myself way out of a comfort zone and really working hard at getting strong. I think there's a difference between doing that and just going in and doing easy reps and moving, which is all good as well. But 
taking it kind of to the next level safely, that's to me what made the difference. I could have probably done the same and, and, and gone to the gym and done a little class and held little dumbbells and moved and circulated and all that. And that would have been great too, but I don't think it would have had the same effect as really lifting heavy weight. Because as you know, all the studies show we have to lift heavy weight and that's relative to the person. Let's make that really clear. Mm -hmm. But you have to lift heavy weight if you want to maintain and build your muscle mass, especially as you age, and especially if you want to um, increase your bone density, which we can do, but we can't do it with pink dumbbells. We have to add resistance. And that's why when people tell me and probably tell you too, that they walk, that's kind of their thing. That's just not enough as you get older. You know, it's just yeah. not. I think where people get stuck, and you, you can tell me whether you agree with this, is what they often have in their minds that they need to get fit is to burn calories. And so yeah. they're looking for what can I do in this moment to burn calories? I can go for a walk. I can get on this treadmill. I'll tell me how many calories I burned. I can go to body pump and get super sweaty. I've burned some calories. And I feel like people are constantly chasing burning calories. And that's where they get stuck. I would agree with you. I, and I think there's there's... Uh, the old school um, thought of, okay, I'm going to get on the elliptical and I'm going to be on there for 45 minutes and it's going to say that I burned 300 calories. Okay. So that means I burned off the dessert I had last night. So now mm -hmm. I'm good. And, and it's that big saw game, you know, this puzzle that, that you're trying to um, erase the calories from yesterday, make room for calories for tonight, <laughs> you know, that whole thing. And it just, it doesn't work that way. And you're not maintaining any muscle when you do that anyway. You're burning calories, yes, but you're not going to change how you look. And certainly you're not going to, you're probably going to lose muscle along the way. And then you're not going to get the results that you're actually thinking you should be getting. Um, and that's again, where lifting comes into play. Absolutely. I know, you know, I had lost so many pounds over and over and over again. And even when I had lost the most amount of weight, I went from like 185 down to 140. And I had lost a lot of weight. I looked very different. But I remember I would look at myself in the mirror. I did that all through diet and walking. And I would look in the mirror and think, I still look pretty much the same. I'm just smaller. I'm still really squishy. And in my mind, I was going to have these this definition as I got smaller. And yeah. I did not know what I was missing. And clearly what I was missing was the strength training piece. Um, and I think people have an idea in their mind of the look they want. And the piece that they're missing is that it's the strength training that's going to transition them to that. Yeah. And I think it also goes back to what you were just saying is that people are looking at how many calories they're burning. And when you strength train, you really don't burn a ton of calories in that moment. Mm -hmm. And that's not what it's actually about. It's about building some muscle mass so that you become more mm -hmm. efficient burning calories all the time. And so people look at that, chasing that calorie number. Um, well, yes. training is not super efficient for me. So I'm only burning 250 calories or something. And they're not thinking bigger picture, like the bigger picture, what's happening while you're building that muscle and, and all the other benefits that go with that and how it's going to work in the big picture, not just in that moment. Absolutely. Absolutely. I have to say nutrition obviously is first, but outside of getting your nutrition in check, the thing that is going to change the shape of your body the most is strength training. And by that, I don't mean body pump, you know, actually pushing progressively heavier weight. 
You know, and I, I'm, gl I'm glad you brought that up because um, there's nothing inherently wrong with any classes like body pump or anything like that at all. However, if you really want to change your shape and get some definition and build some muscle and maintain what muscle you have and, and increase your bone density and all those kinds of things, that body pump's not going to do it. Or do it. Class format. And those classes, y'all have to remember, those classes are designed for the masses. They're not designed for one or two people to push you to get strong. They can't have you load up those bars with super mm -hmm. heavy weight. It's not safe. They yeah. can't keep track of you. So those kinds of classes are going to do, but so good. However, I will say, if you love those kind of classes, you need to work them into your overall workout plan. Absolutely. You need to do stuff that you love, but you also maybe want to start working, working out in the free weight section, get some help with that, whatever, just like we talked about earlier, but start working on a progressive strength training workout that will build, put some serious muscle on you. And that means pushing yourself out of that comfort zone, like yeah. you know, some reps that are going to be like, oh my God, I don't think I'm going to get them, but you do, you know, it, it's scary at first. I admit it is scary, but let me tell you something. The benefits of that far outweigh body pump, far outweigh being on a treadmill and walking. I mean, for what you want, if you want to change your body composition, that's the way to go. And I know, I mean, you know that you, you preach that too. I mean, it's, you and I are so passionate about this and <laughs> everyone know, and it's like, don't just take my word for it. Go do it. <laughs> Give it a try. Give it a try. Yeah. And I totally agree because I definitely have people who they love their body pump, but they like the social aspect of it and cool. Totally do that and lift some heavy weights too. You know, yeah, they don't, yeah. doesn't, one doesn't take the place of the other. I totally agree with you. You got to do what you love. You should make room for that. For sure. I have a client who loves to go to orange theory. And he loves to go to Orange Theory because of the community there. Um, yeah. and, and, it, and it's just energizing for him. I'm like, go. <laughs> then, yeah. But don't do Orange Theory five days a week and only lift one day a week and expect mm -hmm. you to start building some muscle because that's not going to work. Yeah, absolutely. That's definitely more of like the cardio day. Like just yeah. go and get in there and have some fun with your friends. And absolutely. They, they do community really well there. They certainly do. For sure. So let's talk nutrition then. Yeah. What, what do you think? Let's go with two of the biggest um, mistakes you see people making with their nutrition. Oh, wow. For fat loss. <laughs> um, one of the biggest, I hear this all the time. I know you do as well. When, when people say, um, I eat healthy and that's pretty much it. That's all they do nutritionally. They don't track. They don't do anything like that. They just quote, eat healthy. And and I think I was one of those people. So I am right there with all of the, you that may be saying that. Um, and I think that's a huge mistake because it's not enough anymore. It may have been enough 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Could very well have been. But it certainly is not because what happens with that is that there's no concept of portion size. There's no concept of calories per serving and they're trying to lose weight, lose fat, and they're not in a deficit because they're not tracking and they're just eating healthy and they're getting frustrated and, you know, and around and around and around and around we go. I was in that circle for many, many, many years. Mm. Um, and I refused to get out of that circle because I thought 
tracking and keeping track of things where it's just going to be too cumbersome and too hard and I refuse to do it. Um, when in essence, that's exactly what I needed to do and it wasn't hard and it wasn't cumbersome and I would have gotten out of that circle way faster had I um, given that a shot. So I think that's the first thing I hear all the time. I eat healthy. And then when people are tracking and they're not losing weight, and I'm sure you have cases just like this, I swear I get people, I had a DM just a few minutes ago about this very thing. People who say they track everything, they weigh and measure everything, and they give me their numbers, and on the surface, it looks like, okay, those are pretty good numbers, and I hit my numbers every day, and I'm not losing fat, and I've been doing this for a long time, and blah, blah, blah. And so then after you kind of lead them down the, the discussion, oh yeah, we're not tracking exactly everything. Like the latte I have almost every day, the handful of almonds as I walk past the, the jar in the, in the office. Um, the, I pick off my kid's plate constantly. Um, all those tastes and bites and I'm licking this and tasting that all throughout the course of a day are not counted at all and and that and or the weekend are just kind of a little free-flowing you know they're not yeah. quite doing what they say they're doing and so that's another big mistake is is people just kind of go they don't account for those little things that add up to three to five hundred calories a day maybe you have now just left a deficit and entered maintenance or even a surplus you know um and the weekends letting the weekends kind of completely derail them. They are overly restrictive during the week. And during the weekends, they're, quote, less restrictive. But what ends up happening is like an all-out eating fest. You know, you're eating, yeah. you're eating breakfast out. You're running errands. You eat lunch out. You're picking at your kid's plate. You're, you're too tired to cook dinner on, on, on Saturday night. So you go out again, and you've probably consumed 3,000 calories just that day. Stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, well, you've hit on all the ones that I hear the most as well. Those are the yeah. big ones. Those yeah, are the right. things that really keep people stuck. You know, mm -hmm. the, the I eat healthy one, it's a really hard one for people to grasp why that doesn't necessarily equal weight loss, though yeah. it can. Absolutely. If a person is eating mostly processed foods and tons of it, if they switch to eating healthier for a time, they can absolutely lose weight, right? Because if you're eating, you're eating Pop-Tarts and Twinkies and now you're eating bananas and chicken, you're going to lose, you're going to lose some weight, Certainly. but eventually what's going to happen is you're going to have to pay attention to your portion sizes. And that's where people really get stuck because there is this idea out there that eating healthy equals eating for weight loss. Yeah. And I was one of those. I was probably the president of that club. <laughs> You know, I mean, I was, and so I, I, I don't want anyone to think that, that, that we're talking down to anybody because Lord knows I was there Yeah, and I was as stubborn about it as anyone. I didn't want to hear it and, and I uh, couldn't hear it for a long time and until my doctor finally gave me, gave it to me and basically took away my last excuse, which was, oh, it's my metabolism slows down. That's what I've read. You know, mm -hmm. it slows down as we get older. So that's what's happening to me. And um, yeah, she pretty much uh, debunked that one when my metabolism, all the tests came back and I was just fine. So was that hard for you to hear? Oh yeah, I cried. And, and um, I left there not wanting to believe it. I was trying, I was talking to myself all the way back 
in the car and, and tell myself, you know, I don't think so. That can't be right. I am eating so healthy. How can that be? You know, I wasn't thinking that the almonds I was eating was 300 plus calories. And the reason I wasn't thinking about that, because it's all good fat, you know, it's all healthy. Yeah. So why do I need to worry about that? You know, it's healthy. We're supposed to eat these healthy things. Yeah. Well, yeah, we are. Uh, yeah, we are. But if our goal is to lose weight, we can't eat as much of those healthy things as we want without limit, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. So what's your advice for somebody with the second problem you were talking there who feels like they're doing everything right and they're just not losing weight? You know, I, I issue people a challenge um, and, and I have them, um, sometimes what we do in the inner circle with a red X calendar, I'll have them do uh, a monthly calendar and, and, and may, get a monthly calendar. Maybe we'll only do this for a few days or, or whatever, a week, however long we decide. But I'll have people uh, literally, I, I will want them to First of all, write every single thing down that they put in their mouth because sometimes that's all it takes because they don't, if once they're aware of, okay, I'm about ready to take a bite of this. Oh, wait a minute. I have to write it down. It's like, whoa, <laughs> maybe I won't take a bite of that, you know? Um, but I issue them a challenge to try to um, meticulously track every single thing that goes into their mouth um, for however long it is. And every day that they do that and they hit their, their calorie targets, whatever they are, their protein targets, whatever they are, and they hit their workout. If they have one scheduled, they put that red X on that day. That means they, they hit everything. If they don't hit one of those, they put a black circle. And what happens is they start paying a little bit more attention because they don't want to get two black circles in a row. If they, if they do, you know, if they get one, they want to make the next day a red X. Um, because what this visual representation with just red X's and black zeros is so powerful for accountability, for self-accountability. That's the feedback that I've gotten from people that do that is that they, um, they, they really find that if late night snacking was an issue for them, that they will refrain from having that late night snack or late night, whatever, because it's going to put them over their calories and they want that red X. It's yeah. a simple concept, but it really worked. And so that's how I start with people like that. Um, we also, I also guide them in a conversation and ask them a couple questions. And one thing that I find really helpful that really can move a process forward is asking them if there was one area of their nutrition that may not be spot on or, or could use some improvement or need some tweaking, what would that be? And let them start to say what it is because they'll, they'll eventually find out why it's not working. Yeah. They, will, they will eventually in that conversation, you can guide them through and what will happen is they will discover, oh, it's that, you know? Yes. I think it's- Yeah, it's, that is, that's an important question. Yeah, I think it is. And I, I think it, uh, it, it presents itself in such a way where the, where the person can actually do some self-reflection too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because often what doesn't feel like a big deal, just kind of like, well, if there was something, you know, you know, maybe weekends aren't that great. And they maybe think it's not that big of a deal when in reality, it could be the thing that's, that's holding them back. Yeah. Love and, that. and it's easier for them to come up with it themselves than hear it from you or I saying, yeah. you know what? I think you're not hitting your calories because you're blowing it on the weekends. 
well, then the wall goes up, you know, they, I, you know, someone's trying to tell me what I'm doing wrong and, and, um, um, and not kind of discover it themselves. And I think we all kind of, whoa, 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 step back a little bit, you know, um, yeah. I, I, there's just ways to approach it. And, and I say that because I was that person too. So, you know, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't want to be told that what I was like, I was overeating, but I think my doctor felt like at the time we, we'd come to the end of the line, you know, there's yeah. nothing else. And so, um, I just think that there's ways to massage that and get people to see, because once they can figure that out, they can come up with solutions on how they can make it better. And then all of a sudden we start seeing progress. Love I had that. a client the other day who was having an issue with late night snacking. Um, and literally like midnight, 1am, she'd get up and have a bowl of cereal or something like that. And those calories she would eat a significant amount. And those calories were basically the difference because we issued, a, I issued a challenge to her and she was to um, give herself a, a bright line, a rule that she was not going to eat after 8 p.m. And every single morning she was to text me and let me know how it went. And that little piece of accountability was what got her rolling the first time was hard the second time was a little easier and then the third and before you know it she'd done an entire week and all of a sudden scale starts to move it's really fascinating how that works you know yeah um, and then the confidence gets built up like i can do this that's fantastic that's fantastic yeah i think accountability is one of the biggest parts uh, one of the biggest benefits of having a coach mm -hmm. right I, I and and you and i both benefit from that and i think um it is one of the most underrated parts, I think, of this whole process, um, but it is so important and it can be the difference maker. When you have somebody in your corner who believes in you and who pushes you out of your comfort zone, who supports you and who lets you kind of do your thing too. I mean, there's a, a nice combination of all of that. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. Well, look, I don't want to keep you here too long. Let's let's do a last final couple of questions. We're going to do a speed round. Are you feeling right, fast? Are you feeling fast today? Uh, well, we'll see. <laughs> pressure. Uh, pressure. All right. What do you get more excited about? Going to sleep or eating? Eating. 100%. <laughs> yeah. For me, it depends on the day these days. I'm not sleeping much. So a nap always sounds like a good plan. What do you like more, morning or night? Morning. What's your favorite thing to do first thing in the morning? Uh, drink coffee. <laughs> <For> sure. <laughs> do, you, do you roll right out of bed and head right for the coffee? Um, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you could only do one exercise for the rest of your life, what would it be? Chin-ups. Oh, I'm so interested you said that. I totally thought you were going to say Bulgarian split squats. Um, that would be number two. <laughs> that is number two. <laughs> Best movie you've seen lately? Oh my God, I haven't been to a movie. So <laughs> What's the last movie you saw? <laughs> Can you I don't remember? Know. I think it was a, in a theater. Um, gosh, a Star Susan, Wars. Susan, I'm going to come down and take you to the movies. <laughs> go to the movies. I never go to the movies. Um, yeah, I think the last Star Wars thing that the big release of the last one, whatever that was, I think Mike, Tim, and I, all three of us went to that. Okay. Um, okay. So, the, I mean, it was great. Some uh, Star Wars I, movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you have Do you have any TV shows you watch? Do you watch TV at all? I do watch TV somewhat. Um, What's I your love favorite the show? Boys. 
So um, I, oh, love, I do too. I love the voice. Uh, I really love how they set that show up. I'm just watching the judges. I love all of them. Um, I love that. I sometimes still watch um, this, this show that I watched when I was in college, a soap opera, General Hospital, still on. So it's still on? Still on. So that was my show in the 80s. <laughs> right? Yes. Luke and Laura, right? Luke and Laura and Frisco and Felicia. Yes. Well, guess what? Um, Frisco's no longer there, but Felicia's still around. Laura's still large there. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. So every now and again, I'll watch that. Um, and you know, since I've been traveling so much, I'm on an airplane and it seems like every airplane has, you could binge watch Friends. And so I oh. do when I'm on an airplane and I forgot how good that show was. Oh, oh yeah. I love that show. I love it. Me too. I, I, I can quote most of the episodes of that show. Yeah, All right. Really. So since you're a fan of The Voice, here's my question for you. I love that show and I never get to watch it. My husband watches it religiously and I'll come in for a few minutes here or there. Who do you like better, Adam Levine or Blake Shelton? Oh my God. I, you know, I it's a hard choice. It is a hard choice. <laughs> they're very, very different. You know, Adam is the cutie patootie, but I adore Blake. Yeah. I just, He's freaking hilarious and he's so talented and he's he's one of the guys that I have taken a, a bit of more of an interest in country music because of him really oh, okay yeah. 100%. You're, not, you're not historically a country music fan not historically no but okay. Blake has brought me in and Darius Rucker has brought me in too. okay yeah, yeah I love country music I love it all right what's your favorite method of self-care mm, working out I think for sure yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Sweet or salty? Uh, sweet. Chocolate. <laughs> Chocolate. Do you have a favorite? Do you have a favorite kind of candy? Um, no. <laughs> Any kind of chocolate? If it's chocolate, it's probably got my name on it somewhere. So, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I'm right with you. This whole funny thing in the IC with the lobster tail yeah. versus yeah. the cannoli, there's this big battle going on. I'm and I'm just like, I'm taking a seat out because I don't know that I like either. I've never had a lobster tail. I've never been a fan of cannoli. Yeah. I'm thinking we need a chocolate croissant in that race. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, um, I'm team lobster tail all the way, for sure. <laughs> Is there anything fitness related you don't like? Hmm, fitness related. Hmm, I don't think so. You like um, it all? Yeah, I mean, yeah. There's I mean, no exercise. You're like, oh gosh, I can't put oh, this is on my plan. Yeah, uh, forward walking lunges, I hate. I just, yeah. Yeah. And I don't, I, I think because I want to do them with a hundred pound dumbbells. I can't. Oh gosh. I would love to be able to do that one, one day. And I can't, I'm never going to be able to do that. Honestly. I think I, I just don't think that would be a smart thing to do. Um, but they, they are really hard. And I think the athletic component to, to the deceleration with that is what, mm. what makes it really difficult for me. But, I, you know, I'm the weird one that loves Bulgarian split squats. I know. I love lunges. Uh, any other kind of lunge, I will lunge. I will, I, I've had days in my training where they have been all single leg focused. And wow. I love those days as much as anything else. Single leg stuff, I just, has turned into a damn for me. I love it. Nice. All right. What's your favorite word or a favorite word? A favorite word is a music-based favorite word. It is paradiddle. It is a percussion term. It is a percussion exercise, actually, a technique, a percussion technique um, that when I, was a, uh, when I was a percussion minor, I, um, 
I actually had to do a lot of those <laughs> sticking techniques uh, to, to make you be able to play faster and more efficient and that kind of thing. So paradiddle, I think it's just a hilarious word. That's a fun word to say. Paradiddle. It is a fun word to say. I'm going to say that the rest of the day. Paradiddle. <laughs> and well, it's funny because the 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 movement pattern for that is just like the word sounds. Paradiddle. 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 I mean, it's it's. Ah, how about that? Well, Susan, <laughs> if people are looking for you, where can they find you? Um, best place probably is on Instagram at Susan Ebergall Fitness, but I am I'm doing a whole lot more on Twitter. So, and that is um, at, you can find me at Susan Ebergall Fitness on Twitter or SS Ebergall, either one. And, and I'm doing a lot more content now on YouTube and that is uh, Susan Ebergall Fitness. I'm doing a lot of vlogging and things over on YouTube now. So um, those are the main places. I am actually still on Facebook and I'm trying to get better about doing more on Facebook uh, with Susan Niebergall Fitness as well. Okay, great. So basically, Susan Niebergall Fitness, anywhere yeah. you go. Yeah, just to, yeah, yeah. And just you will find <laughs> Susan. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being here. This has been a lot of fun. I always like talking to you. I love talking to you. It was great to have, to, to, to be had. To be <laughs> had. It was great to be had. All right. Yeah. Hey, thanks so much for joining me here on the Fitness Simplified Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the episode. I hope you learned something. And if you did, I would love it if you would leave me a rating and a review. It really does help to get this show uh, in front of other people. Thanks so much for being here, and I will catch you next time.